Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. On today's episode, I sat down with String Win. She is a brand queen. She's amazing at it. She's incredible. She's also the chicken lady, which you're going to understand if you check out more information on her. In the meantime, in this episode, we're going to talk about what you can be doing in the branding space to really grow your brand and grow your influence to reach more customers for you to impact. Enjoy this episode, and we'll catch you next week. All right. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. I'm sitting down with String Win, and she is, I just think of you as like the fried chicken lady, honestly. But Yeah, I even got it. I even got fried chicken ready. <laughs> <laughs> and I have mine as well, which already the listeners are probably like, wait, is this the right podcast? I'm listening to the right thing. Yeah. And uh, String and I have had a conversation really a couple of years ago. I don't mean a couple of years ago. Actually, I don't even know when it was, maybe a little over. Yeah, a year. last year. That's last year. But, um, String, I, I think of String as a phenomenal entrepreneur, as someone who is really trusted in the tech space, in the startup space. And so String, first of all, thanks for being here today. And second of all, I'm excited just to dig in a little bit more with that and uh, get some of your insight and perspective. Awesome. How are you today, Chris? I'm, I'm good. You know what? I appreciate you asking because no one ever asked me that. It's kind of like, <laughs> let's get into it. And so oh, I really appreciate you asking. Here's a better question. How's life? You know, it's good actually. It's um, it's funny. Let me say this. I'm I'm actually kind of like thrown by you asking because, you know, again, I just we jump in and it's all about the guest, and so I'm a little uh, I'm thrown by you asking, but um, it's good. I have you can see in the background. My wife was um, organizing. We just had a baby shower, and so um, that's all that's all the future Ben's stuff back there. And um, it's good, man. Life is so good. My business is really good. It really has, um, in the last six months, has just kind of come to life. And um, I'm just trying to make sure I stay intentional with relationships and keep reaching out to people and meeting people. And um, yeah, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. Uh, well, like, I think the coronavirus has freaked my friends and circle at the moment because there's like a few cases happening in Australia. And then I watch pandemics, which adds to my hysteria. <laughs> but yeah. by the way, it wasn't that great, so don't watch it. Yeah, it's I've already seen it, it's, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right, it's not that great. So. <laughs> but it's just, it was just the timing of things. Um, and then like Kobe Bryant died. So I feel like the news yeah. is overwhelming me at the moment. You know, um, um, it was so strange. It, man, what did a just what an occurrence to like wake you up to your mortality, I guess. Right. Yeah. Even like there's alarm who said, wake up. Um, oh. I didn't know how to turn it off. Okay. Now it's, it's 8am there. Is that what you said? Yeah. I woke up early. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, set up the little webinar, got my fried mm-hmm. chicken. Now I'm yeah. So let's, so here's the deal. Um, let's do this. Tell, tell the listeners a little bit, because I get the fried chicken thing, and I love it, by the way. And um, I had a chance to spotlight you. Whenever we first talked about a year ago, I had a chance to spotlight you in my newsletter. Listeners may not have seen that. You know, what's, what's the deal with fried chicken with you? 
it, well, it's part of my visual branding, like, because how do we stand out in the world or social media? Because there's a lot of people online creating content these days. But, ha- but I feel like a lot of content creators, especially professional ones, tend to wear a mask, whereas, like, it's like, I want them to be memorable. So it's like Inception. How do I, like, plant <laughs> seeds of memory to get triggered by? So Fry Chicken Me is, like, the easy one because everyone likes it, vegan uh-huh. hates it. And you want that like uh, polarizing memory as well. So every time you see a fried chicken, you go think of me. So anyone who listens, you will think of this fried chicken girl. Yeah. He likes fried chicken. And it will forever get stuck into your mind. Actually, anytime I see the fried chicken emoji, I think of you actually. So I think you're spot on. I'm always like, oh, that's string. Yeah. Yeah. And and plus I get a lot of inbound. So I'm waiting for people. Like I'm give. it's like giving people permission to connect with me. Mm, I like that. Now, something something we talked about for today was as kind of a joke, really comparing our our fried chickens with one another. So I have, and I and you'll be proud of me. I didn't go to Popeyes or KFC. I went to local. Um, I don't even know where this is from because my wife my wife went and found it for me because I had a full day, and she was already going out. And I said, "Hey, if you can just find me fried chicken." <laughs> um, so it just says to go on it. So I don't even really know what it is. From, uh, like you had to, well, like, so <laughs> actually yesterday I had a meeting. It's leftovers fried chicken. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but it's Thai fried chicken. So Ooh. yesterday I was having a meeting with a brand influencer agency okay. to talk about like what's our next steps and stuff like that. And they, um, they wanted to give me a uh, high five for like doing a great job going to CES for them and like representing Lenovo and I had so much food so, but I was like yes like today is a fried chicken day or yes. tomorrow is gonna be a fried chicken thing so this is Thai fried chicken winglet now what is special about Thai fried chicken it's it's like one wing so you could eat it with one wing okay and how's um, it it's actually it's a little bit spicy because there's a bit of chili in it it's sweet and sour because it's got this tamarind sauce to it Okay. Well, I'm going to take a bite out of mine and just see, see, and I'll show you, I got this jive camera, but it's a pretty good piece. Oh, wow. It looks juicy. We have, Ty- we have Tyson chicken here, or Tyson foods here. So it's probably going to be good, but mm. so, I t- this is the amazing thing is like, I know the brand likes me or companies like me or when Blake plays fried chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turn his podcast into a fried chicken show. Yeah. Yeah. Now, <laughs> While we're eating, talk to me a little bit about CES because I saw your pictures there. I'm a bit of a, a tech geek myself. And so already I was I was totally, you know, I was scrolling through, saw some of your pictures and I was like, ooh, this is really cool. Talk to me a little bit about your experience over there. So Lenovo flew me over. Um, that's one of the advantages of being a brand creator. Sometimes like big brands like Lenovo would just really like my, the way I, what direction I was going. And they invited me to... Um, be their representatives or be one of their influencers to check out some of their new products. So they, um, so pretty much I was just hanging out with Lenovo. It was my first time at CES, first time in Vegas. And I didn't, I forgot that it was a casino city. So it was like really awkward and disconcerting seeing a slot machine as soon as you start out the <laughs> airport. Yeah. Have you been to Vegas before? I've never been there, but there's, there's so much, um, every American kind of has this cultural stereotype in their mind of what Vegas is. And um, yeah. Yeah. more often than not, it, it matches what you perceive. 
Yes, oh. totally does. And but it was cool seeing. I remember it was also in the middle of desert, so I got to see like this mix mash of a like you have to remember like CES is like this abnormal time where the whole town becomes like a tech city. Mm-hmm. Now talk to me a little bit about because I, I you know you talked about Europe. You you went on behalf of Lenovo. How did you like? How did you develop that relationship? Because that's that's pretty impressive. And it, it, if anything, if nothing else, it speaks to just your credibility on creating a brand on social media. You know, on actually um, developing momentum where people trust you and they want to use your voice. How did you How did you go about developing that and creating that? It's a two year conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the bigger the brand, the bigger the conversation. Like literally, the the I think I was talking to Cabrasco who pushed my name forward to Lenovo and tried to put my name into it. But sometimes we're general aligned. So you have to have a champion who could like push your name forward because it won't happen overnight. There's always someone who says like, I think this person is great for our brand. And, but you have to remember the bigger the brand, the bigger bureaucracy, the bigger the rep tape, the big, you know, the more signatures and stuff like that. So, uh, and being that like my growth, he saw me grew rapidly as well. So you have wow. to be almost consistent as well. So you can't be inconsistent two years ago and then inconsistent the next two years. Or so you disappear. Have to, or, yes. Yeah. So you have to be there, if you know what I mean. Like, like yeah. there and growing at the same time. So I say it's a two-year conversation because the bigger the brand, the longer the conversation. But it doesn't mean that you st- don't stop growing. It, like I knew that um, one of my goals was to be a global brand ambassador and we're in the talks right now because um, it's not official, but in the last, but like, I don't know when this uh, podcast is coming out, but in the last three months I, w- I flew and hanged out with them in China. Um, and then I was there again at CES. Hmm. So that, that kind of like shows like tick boxes that the yeah. conversation is like moving forward as well. You know, what's interesting about this too is, um, man, I, it just feels like people don't have the, you mentioned consistency, but also, you know, like the, the patience you know, and a lot of like even marketing online today is like, you know, you got to, you got to close them. You got to convert them right away when realistically like relationship building doesn't happen overnight and trust doesn't happen overnight. And so it's, it's interesting how people, you know, you mentioned a two year conversation, which obviously is paying off and it's meaningful, but I just, I've noticed that a lot of entrepreneurs aren't willing to put the time in, put in the, the effort to, do, to really play that long game. Yeah, and I think that's common because they think they need an ROI. Mm. They, I think they have a short-term thinking, mm-hmm. which is normal when you first start off because you think that right. you have that like end date or visible end date. But if you're an entrepreneur or you're starting your business out, you have to play the long game. Right. Well, even in like, you know, I know you're an expert in the startup space, you know, especially in the startup space, I, I see people who they're, they're ready for that next phase without, without even developing the first phase. So like a great example would be like one company I was talking to who they were like, okay, we're ready to go find funders, but they didn't even have a product yet. They didn't even have any, they, even have, the fit. They, had, they, had, yeah. they hadn't done anything yet. I mean, other than like, you know, this is our idea, which is, you know, it's like, okay, you have an idea. But it's, I, I noticed that trend, not just in startup founders, but just people who like, they're just so, it's like, how do I do the next thing when they haven't even done the first thing? You know, the thing that comes yeah. 
that comes before that, right? So yeah, it's great that you noticed that because that means like you're taking your time and building the blocks <laughs> up. Because I think the people who fail fast avoid trying to do like shortcuts, mm-hmm. not building the foundations right. And which, but when which is amazing because you, like there are scale ups, but they also have like really strong foundations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and it's a bit countercultural too because I mean you're talking about avoiding the shortcuts. And, and everyone kind of wants the shortcut though. Everyone wants to the hack. They want the, the twist. I was just, I was literally just talking to a marketer who he was saying, you know, one of my biggest problems with every marketer is they'll, they'll promise you the F, the answer without any of the work. And that's, that's never been a viable option. It always takes the actual work to get the results you want, just like training for a marathon, just like going to the gym, you know, which I probably need to do since I'm eating a plate of fried chicken. But, you know, we're looking for that answer around what actually needs to be done instead of just spending our time and energy actually doing that thing. Um, it's probably why a lot of brands struggle long term because they're always looking for that, that hack. Well, would they be considered a brand if they're, they're like creating shortcuts all the time? That's a great if question. They're, if, yeah. if, they're in, if they're inconsistent or their messaging is not on point because you have to take what, like a good brand is pretty much has that trust authority to be the same all the time. Like if you rock up to KC, you expect KC to taste like fried chicken. Yeah. 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 Well, so, so, and, and I, I apologize. Cause like for my listeners, sometimes when I sit down with someone, they're getting to hear the conversation for the first time. But like I said, I know you and I have already chatted a little bit, maybe a little bit over a year ago. If you don't mind, uh, talk to me a, a little bit for just for the listener's sake how did you get into LinkedIn? How did you start getting into the branding space? You know, take me back to like the start of your journey. Okay. I guess it starts with my mom. She's a Vietnamese refugee that escaped the war in Vietnam and then moved to Australia. And that's where I was born. So like, I'm like a 1.5 Australian. <laughs> if you notice my last name, Nguyen. Uh-huh. Uh, and also, I guess like she, I tried to be a very good daughter you know, did the Asian thing. But in year 11, I noticed like creativity <laughs> was like, I had like all the Asians, like maths, English, like to get high scores, you know, we gained it, right? Wow. So that's why everyone called it the Asian five to get the highest score to get into university. I was like, okay, mom just want me to go to university. Even though she says like, don't be a doctor, you're like scared of blood. And it's like, okay, the next best thing was being a lawyer. But I didn't really want to be a lawyer because I didn't want to be, uh, have a stable job. Uh, like I did get a stable job, but I realized in year 11 that I needed arts. So in year 12, I negotiated with the art teacher and the vice principal to get into the arts. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. And I realized like art and creativity is necessary for me to mm-hmm. live my life to be the most happiest person ever. What, what did you and love about it, by the way? It just, it just feels like I was connected to my like being. Mm, okay. Like, it's just the, the most simplest way. It's me creating stuff. Like even my quote marks here, it's uh-huh. not in, it doesn't work that way. It. It, it's reference to me, like a quote mark. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, Like yeah. this way. Yeah. So yeah. that's in reference to me. It's like connecting and creating. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a metaphor of what I do in life. I connect with people I create and I do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And when if I want to look after others as well, I have to look after myself first. So you had like this drive to connect with people and also be connected to yourself. How did that create like a, an actual tangible, um, you know, I'm going to get on LinkedIn. I mean, was LinkedIn even your first platform to really? 
No. So, <laughs> which is funny. It's, it's funny because you're so, you know, you're so prolific in terms of like your brand on LinkedIn. What, what came before that? Well, well, like, that's the thing. Like, I, I became a nine-to-five. Like, I feel like I just need to finish this really quickly. Nine-to-five, I went to interior design as an interior designer, and I hated it. But it's just because, like, again, it was disconnected to who I was again. Hmm. I didn't feel like the, the live of creativity. And that's when I jumped, uh, became an artist, but it wasn't sustainable. So I went and became a job. The whole point is, like, you won't, there'll be lots of things that you will be doing, but it won't make sense to you. Hmm. And that's when I knew that, like, being on social media, um, developing communities, that, like, video is going to be the next big thing, and I was right. But I've always seemed to be, like, two years ahead of the game. Hmm. So I was, like, on um, Meerkat. Meerkat is, like, Periscope. And I will always say that Meerkat was a better product than Periscope because it just integrated into the platform better and I monetized within six months. Hmm. So the, every platform that I go to, I have to try and monetize within six months. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. And I went on to different platforms, even on Snapchat. And if I was in America, I would have probably monetized it better than Australia. Uh, and I won awards for it. I went to America and to break my imposter syndrome. And uh, I realized that I'll always go be ahead of two years. So the day that I want to quit, quit Snapchat and jump on Instagram because I noticed that Lyft happening soon was the day that LinkedIn knocked on my door and said, Hey string, we love your videos. Would you like to be invited to be a beta test user? So that's wow. how it started. What but year was this? It was like 2017. Wow. Okay, cool. Uh, like late 2017 and the yeah. uh, like video has been around, but not everyone knows how it's like that mask is like professionals tend to wear masks all the time. Hmm. And they're scared of showing their personality or themselves. Well, Whereas like I was ready. What, what, I mean, what was, which that right there, I think if someone could grab onto that, that's, that's a powerful statement. First of all, what was different about you that let you really, you know, pull off the mask and be comfortable and be vulnerable? Because it is really, it can be scary to get in front of camera. You know, you were able to do that. You know, what, why are people hesitant to really lean into video content in that way? Well, I, I, I could understand why, because if you're an expert in something and you jump onto to something new and video is new, it's like being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like being newbie. It's like from like you're a ground. I say stupid in like, you felt, it's like starting from ground zero and you're like on level 10. Mm-hmm. And when you're on level 10, Studying from ground zero makes you feel stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's the feeling of like one, pe- like a person has to get over. It's like speaking or doing something new or studying the bike. But it's just like, so, but to show your personality, you had the confidence to do video. You're already like ahead of everyone else because it shows mm-hmm. the confidence to be yourself or to be an expert on camera. And it just shows your personality. And if you could show your personality, that means that you go attract the type of people that want to connect with you as well. It's a mm-hmm. massive trust accelerator is what I say. Yeah. And I so agree. And I, I think um, even that last bit you just said is pretty insightful too on, you know, sometimes people when they start their business or they're trying to scale their business, they still have this idea around, I want to work. I, I want to be able to work with everyone and instead refocusing and thinking, okay, there's a tribe of people who are going to best resonate with me that they're best going to link with me. And I think when it comes to video and like finding your comfort in video, 
part of that is recognizing, you know, like, hey, not everyone, not everyone's going like to like it. my video, you know? Well, like you. Or exactly. Like even even exactly. like you. And a lot of people don't like that. It's like they feel uncomfortable not being liked. But we're not yeah. meant to like everyone. Don't, yeah. like, you know, let's play a game. Like, do you like Justin Bieber? Uh, my wife does. Yes, <laughs> I'm indifferent, you know. Yes, and that's what like the reaction you get. Like Justin Bieber is super successful. Yeah, but he's not popular with everyone. Well, and like Gary Vee is another example. I love Gary Vee, but I, I literally I, I mentioned his name to someone the other day because I was bringing up a concept, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, I hate Gary Vee." And you know, and, and this is the you know he's the number one podcast. I mean, this guy has incredible reach, and so you're you're totally right. Some people are really going to love it. Some people aren't going to like it. And it's, you got to come to terms with that. Yes. And I think that's the thing that everyone, that's the other other factor as well is that people are scared of being judged Mm. or they don't, or, you know, like it feels like the game of like, do you want to be liked, popular, want to be popular or liked, want to be famous or you want to do it for money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, I was just going to say, in some ways I can't really blame people because Man, social media is a tough place. I mean, people are pretty, um, even on LinkedIn, people are pretty, can be pretty harsh, you know, with, yeah. with I mean, yeah. it's not like a soft rejection. It's not like a mature, uh, you know, ah, I'm just not really jiving with you. I mean, I just, I put out a, a post. It was so funny. I put a video out uh, maybe last week and it was just heartfelt and just, you know, um, I just, I just shared a concept in business that I thought made sense. And this guy wrote, you're a huge tool. Like no one should follow your advice. And I was like, okay, well, you obviously disagree with me. But I was also kind of taken back by how abrasive he was. Because it wasn't just, hey, I disagree. It was like, you suck. And I, I think, you know, getting comfortable on social media means, you know, taking those licks in stride. And I'm, and I'm sure you get it too, because your, your reach is, is levels beyond mine. So if I'm getting like the random comment, I'm sure that you're getting... You know, and your content's probably better than mine also, but I'm sure you're also dealing with those trolls and like, you know, just well, toxic people. I don't get so much of the trolls. And if I do, I just throw them fried chicken. So that's <laughs> I'm serious. Like, yeah. like, it's just like an in-joke or PR and they get confused uh-huh. and then people giggle. So it's for me, like, you know, there's no point, like there's two ways of dealing with trolls. You ignore them or you bring it back to your message. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Well, it's like it's like, hey, I you know, I understand, but you know what's original fried chicken? <laughs> That's great. I love it. It's it's a little bit like they probably won't get the joke, but everyone else who knows who would. Yeah, and Especially, plus, you have to remember, like LinkedIn uh, leaves digital footprints, like your activities there, so mm. people would literally, religiously look into that. But I just get a lot of more. Um, I didn't get the you know, the sexist one, but I, but I do notice like low key first D messages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I had the best one I had one yesterday was like a Thai person talking to me in Thai. And I, I, I translated it to see what he says. It's like, Hey, my name is da da da. What's your name? How come you're not talking to me? <laughs> oh my gosh. Which, you know, and again, that's, I think that's a bit surprising to me because I'm sure you saw um, Amy Perkins message, you know, her letter that she wrote and, and I was talking to her and I was like, man, are you really? And she was like, and she was, so she was talking about some of these examples and I was like, and I guess, I guess, you know, it, since LinkedIn is like the professional platform, you kind of assume that there wouldn't be any thirsty DMs, but I guess, I guess, yeah, 
It's just crazy. There's all sorts of types. Like if you're exposed to stuff, especially if you're female, just be mentally prepared. Which is so sad. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, I just can't even, I can't even wrap my head around it. And I'm really, go ahead. Yeah. And then the more you show skins, you should do an experiment. If you show your skin, would you get the thirsty <laughs> types as well? <laughs> well, you know, and I, I actually was talking to Amy about it and I was like, man, like I feel kind of helpless as a man because I'm like, I don't know, I don't know how to help contribute to changing how men operate on a platform. Like I don't know what my role is other than just being like a vocal you know, standard bear for like, Hey, we got to be better. We got to act better. But other than that, like, I don't know, I don't know what to do, but I want to help, but I don't know how to help. You know, do I don't. Have daughters? Do you have daughters? No, but I'm going to have a daughter in March, yeah. which I'm really excited for. And so the, I think you just need to like give her tools hmm. to like, you can't control people's behaviors, but you can control what you could teach to your kids. Yeah. Yeah. That's all I could say. And if you had, if you have sons, you should teach them to like protect their daughter, your daughter yeah. or like be champions for women as well. Yeah. So that's like, you can't like, it's helplessness that we live in a world that we can't control. And I don't think there's any point to that because it just builds up our anxiety, but what we control is like what we could teach. Right. And even like your platform, when you teach out like your theories about the world, you're allowed to do that. And that's like the great thing about social media is it's a platform for you to amplify your key messages and your belief systems as well. And I'm happy to share those things because I get people to say, promote their uh, events about women and diversity and innovation. And when those took those boxes, I really like support that as well. Mm -hmm. Now, and, and something else that's really cool about you too, and you already mentioned it is it's, it's, in both hands, you have you have your um, messaging, you have your legacy, you have your impact, you have like the difference that is your voice. But then there's this other piece of monetizing it, and I think some people feel like those things have to be in opposition. Like I can't I can't make money and you know share my message or follow my dreams or passion or what have you. I'd like to drill a little bit in on what you said earlier on, like, you know, you were thinking about, okay, how do I monetize this? How do I make this something sustainable? Because a lot of people are pretty, they don't know how to make both those things exist, but especially on social media, they don't know, you know, what does that even look like to monetize your message? Talk to me a little bit more about, you know, unpack that a little bit more for me, for really what's been your experience there. You have to think of being a business from day one or day zero. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And if you don't have the skill sets of running a business, you should be one. And if you're an artist or creative, you should think like one. Like being a freelancer means like essentially you're running a business for one, but it doesn't mean that you're like you can't hire contractors or freelance other freelancers to partner up with. So you really should be thinking like a business. If you're not thinking like a business, then you don't realize like the opportunities that wait for you on the other side as well. Hmm. Well, and some people, and I've known some creatives to feel like they're kind of losing, I don't say they're losing themselves, but it's like when they think about being and thinking like a business in their mind, it's very corporate and very rigid. Yes. Um, what's you, could your do it, you could do it your way. You just like, you have, uh, you have, that means like you, the business structures that or business models that you're looking at is corporate and structured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there are so many ways of like doing businesses and partnerships. Um, like my first Patreon or like, if you, you know how like artists have patrons yeah. or patrons? 
um, I had like a patron, like I'm calling my champion. Like he let he allowed me to stay in his San Francisco house for rent free for six months. Wow. And he he and I connected on Meerkat. So he was my first believer. So, you know, like you don't have to do it in an exchange of money, but you have to do it in exchange of partnerships and that's still thinking like a business. And my only way to like return that favour is to succeed mm-hmm. and share that story of how like I got to stay at his place in San Francisco. And also like, um, but the point is like he want, he's also a dad, I noticed as well. So he wanted to like show his daughter like what a good, uh, you know, example of a role model, a strong role model for his daughter would be like. Well, that's a level of responsibility right there for you. (laughs) (laughs) This person's looking up to me now. Yeah. And I've met up with them, like I caught up with them as well in San Francisco. So it's not like when I like, when I have like real like relationships, I build them up. Yeah. It's something you have to maintain as well. Which, you know, and again, it's, it's such a great insight, but yet people, it seems like people are really struggling with this whole concept of building relationships and not just like starting the relationship, but actually like nurturing it. Like, and you know, what's funny is, you know, I mentioned you were at CES and it popped up on my feed and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, like I haven't really, I haven't really said anything to string in like forever. And so like I commented and just was, you know, just thinking to myself, like I really need to keep in touch with her, but it feels like a lot of people, they, they can't even, um, and part of it's selfishness, but also like, some people can't think beyond the point of sale and like, think about it. I'm sure I get this. I'm sure you do. The people who like they DM you to start the relationship and no sooner have they DM'd you, are they telling you about an offer? Are they asking you to buy? Are they asking you to give to them in the total absence of trust relationship? What have you like, why, why are people, why is that so hard? Why is it a hard concept for some people? Well, well like, I think my advantage, like, you know, because I don't mind, like, closing a sale. I, I'm happy when I close a sale as well because right. I'm developing a product. It's just, like, I'm, I have the space to do it slowly. Mm-hmm. And some people don't because they feel like there's this, like, deadline that they have in their head that they have or the date of death is what I usually say. Like, you only have so much capital. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like, like, that means, like, maybe you only have 30 days of breathing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, so it's like that desperation comes out when they do sales or do business as well. And that's normal. Um, and the people who do well is like, like I noticed like that almost like in a Zen or chill state, There's, but they do hustle, but they don't go around like closing, closing, closing. I think, I think they tend to be more strategic about how they develop relationships, how they like build their product, how they t- uh, how they handle their time or manage their time, um, they just have the space to do things, so they're not stressing. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and again, it's it's just that level of patience. On it's it's playing the long game, really. You know, and in, in being willing to invest in relationships over time, and you know, again, going back to your comment on Lenovo, it being a two year a two year development. I mean, that's that's something that gets slow cooked. You don't. You don't just shoot off a DM and close that. Um, no. Again, like I consider Lenovo like a million-dollar deal. You, those deals don't like come overnight. And even then, like if you want like to get funders, like that startup person, I wonder how well-developed his network is. Has he slow cooked, like you said, mm-hmm. those relationships, those funds and stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it probably it's, hasn't. 
Well, it's, it's actually the exact, so it's the same trend you see in the startup world as you see in the nonprofit world. Cause I have the exact same conversation with nonprofits who say, Hey, how do I get, you know, this much in funding? And the conversation is the exact same. It's well, how have you developed your network? You know, how have you built up relationships of people that would be interested in what you're doing? Cause it's, it's not enough to do something meaningful because everyone feels like what they're doing is totally meaningful. You have to actually have built the trust with people for them to, to leverage that and to invite them to be part of the story. Um, you know, it's not, it really is a slow cooker. It's not something that, you know, <laughs> a hodgepodge you just throw together. Um, but it takes patience and time, which like you said, not everyone has is afforded uh, the level of patience that they probably would like to have. Yeah. And I think that it, it is like a, a gift to have that headspace because not everyone has it, but it doesn't mean to say that you, if you freak out, the more disparate, like frequency of desperation, the more that you would succeed. Mm-hmm. Cause like people, people unconsciously could feel on that. It's like dating, right? When you go to a bar <laughs> and you're like giving out vibes of desperation, yeah. like girls get turned off by that. And guys like don't really know how aggressive they can be because they, they do it too much. And so he knows, but it's just like dating sometimes. Well, and, and you know, you're building your tribe. You're building your thousand, I call it thousand raving fans. It's, it's literally the 1000 true fans concept. And what I've noticed is when you are sending out those vibes of desperation, you are, you're, you're not just creating people who want to say no, you're creating people who actively are actively um, repulsed by your brand. Like I had a guy who was trying to sell me and I said no, and he got angry at me. And started like, he was like, well, I can't believe you wouldn't buy this. And was like really just challenging me. And all I could think about was, well, now I'm, now I'm definitely not buying from you. And if, you're, if your name gets mentioned, I'm actually going to be pretty open about people not needing to work with you. Um, and so that, that, you know, building that tribe, we got to also be mindful of like, how are you really kind of deconstructing your tribe? And like, and yeah. And also like creating that experience as well. And um Customers, even though we're moving the world of like fast paced of convenience, like Uber and Uber Eats are losing their like customers or uh, the fans because the experience has become more, uh, very transactional. Mm-hmm. There's no care factor now. Mm-hmm. And um, because they're playing the zero sum game, that it almost becomes like uh, that human interaction or the human care disappears. And it's like the chipping system in America. I had to say, it's like, I don't usually swear, but it's pretty fucked up what you have in America. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're really proud of all of our dysfunction, I guess, because, you know, you have people on one side who want to change things for the better and then people who are very entrenched and uh, have a lot of pride in um, how things are, I guess. But um, one other question I wanted to ask you is, you know, you're, you're obviously, you're building this brand, you know, you're building your tribe, you're building, you know, your thousand raving fans. I'm sure you have way more than a thousand who really follow on every word. What do you feel like a level of, um, I don't know what the word is, if it's like responsibility or, um, you know, not, not fearfulness of like you would mislead anyone or like, you know, give bad advice, but what does it look like really to manage that responsibility of knowing, you know, I have people who they follow me and they believe in me and they trust me and even businesses now who are using me as their spokesperson. Walk me through a little bit of what does that look like for you? Well, like I remember like I'm talking to the same person, my mentor 
my patron at San Francisco and we were walking the first day and I said to him, I'm scared. I'm scared like I, I don't want the game of fame. No, like, because I get a bit of, um, someone messaged me on Instagram and said, hey, I saw you walking down the streets of San Francisco. So there's that level of notoriety. And it's like, oh, why didn't you say hi? Because in my head, I'm like, I'm like a human being. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he didn't respond. But I think um, the whole idea is like, they, they probably think there's like, um, uh, I, I didn't realize in America, it's not that kosher to like just approach someone. But he thought, he just wanted to say that he noticed me on the street and stuff. Well, that was hilarious, but also weirded me out. And I realized that I just had to accept that people just like happened to recognize me before I rec- like, you know, you ha- you're a little bit famous mm-hmm. when people recognize you, but you don't recognize them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I had to like unravel that complex that I had. And I've realized that's also like a min- limitation that I put on myself. It was like, um, it was, it's just another like fear of success. Um, but if like success does come your way, how do you treat it? Like I realized that I could only be the best person that I could be because I'm also going to stuff up along the way. Um, and there'll be moments when I'm going to be angry, but as long as I always show that human factor of who I am and that I care about the bigger picture, then it's okay to stuff up along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not trying to be the perfect human. What I'm trying to do is be the best person that, like walks in my own truth, like walks in my own integrity and walks in my own values every day. And everything else like is just a bonus. Yeah. And I love that, you know, walking in your integrity of who you are, your values and really owning that, right? And not letting, because I mean, there's so much noise, right? There's so much stuff that can really get you off center. Um, So that's powerful. That's cool. I think, but it's not a responsibility. It's just like, maintaining your own truth as well like if you're especially if you're a coach or building up your personal brand it's all about who you are as a person as a character who you are um and how much truth that you're walking every day because like a lot of people talk the walk the talk but they don't act the talk yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's just talking right it's just and just it's easy to do yeah (laughs) talking is easiest to do yeah. So tell me, tell me two things just as we're wrapping up. Um, first of all, what, what is next for you? And second of all, how can someone who's listening, who maybe they're a startup founder, maybe they're an entrepreneur, maybe they're just trying to build their brand digitally. What can they do to engage with you? A one, like hit me up on LinkedIn, send me a fried chicken or said it like Blake bin send me my way, your way. Um, cause if, cause I get a lot of like inbound, but right. also if you check out the trustedvoice.co, there's a few programs or like anyone who wants to learn about LinkedIn, but specifically I created a new membership where every month you get a playbook and you get mentors to help you develop your personal brand. And it's very actionable. It's like every month is an actionable way of building up the foundations that you need to build up your brand. Love it. Love it. And then are you, did you say you had another um, company you'll be working with in the next couple of months or continuing to grow with Lenovo or? Oh, well, like Lenovo is like one of my hit lists in terms of the brands because like, it's like that weird game. Like I have to continue hitting the benchmarks to show that, you know, the, where the success marks is and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like LinkedIn is like one of my, the fact that I won top voice in three, two and a half years is a credit to my kudos and my like walking the same path every day but I think everyone can do it as well 
It's just like you need to like have the space to like be yourself. Mm-hmm. And how do you develop it, amplify it in a way that starts from here? And how do you be yourself online? Yeah. Well, for our listeners, absolutely. What, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put the link to the Trusted Voice and also Strings LinkedIn into the episode description. Absolutely check out those programs. I will say without a shadow of a doubt that I trust String. She's amazing. She's phenomenal. Have um, just followed her for over a year now and she is amazing. So you definitely got to check her out on LinkedIn. Uh, String, thank you for being here today. I so appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. And for the listeners, absolutely leave a review on the podcast, subscribe to it, leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it, and we will catch you next week. See ya.